championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Well, we've got a weird one today. The Lakers lose to the Suns. I believe it was only about a 10-point loss by the time everything was said and done, but they were also blown out, losing by more than 30 at certain points in this game. They had a lead coming out of the first quarter. We've got a lot to break down. Some weirdness. You've got stuff going on between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis in the middle of the game. You've got chippiness. You've got the officials missing a lot of calls. You've got all kinds of things happening that we need to get into it's a good thing I've got Matt the Optimist Peralta with me because we're going to need some optimi optimism tonight, man. <laughs> uh, yes, that's why I'm here. I'm here for games like tonight. Um, was not the result that we wanted. And like Trevor said, it was a bit of a weird game, but uh, mildly entertaining toward the end. But the uh, the middle of the game was uh, very hard to watch, wouldn't you say, it Trevor? It definitely was. In fact, uh, so coming out of halftime, I was shocked at the lack of effort, and that's something else that we're going to get into. We have so many topics to get into. This is, again, like I said, this is one of the weirder games, I think, that we're we're going to cover in terms of a post-game show, just because of all the craziness that went on in this thing. I think, I guess let's start from the beginning. I thought at the beginning of the game, the Lakers, they made some mistakes, but overall, they looked pretty good. Went with the starting five from the previous game. I think that we're probably on the verge of changing that. But uh, DeAndre Jordan starting at center. And for the most part, I thought we saw the better version of Russell, Russell Westbrook. Uh, we saw the Lakers a little bit more in sync on both ends of the floor. Things were looking pretty good coming out of the first quarter. There were a few mistakes here and there, especially towards the end of the quarter. But for the most part, it was an improvement over what we saw against Golden State uh, in the second half. Then we get into the second quarter and the Suns go on this big run and the Lakers offense is falling to pieces. They can't make any shots. Nothing's going down and the Lakers are doing just weird things. Settling for all these jumpers when DeAndre Ayton's not on the floor, not attacking the basket, making just very poor decisions for veteran players. And it did not look good at all. And then coming out of halftime, there was no effort, no energy. And then suddenly the fourth quarter starts and there's all this energy and they go on this crazy run and they cut the lead to single digits my head is spinning at this point, Matt. What I don't know what to take away from this. Do we say the team we saw in the fourth quarter, that's the Lakers. The team we saw in the second and third, that's the Lakers. Where where do we go with this thing? I think like all things in life, it's the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> um, like you said, the second and third quarters were pretty abysmal for the Lakers. I kind of just felt like as you're watching the game and, you know, there's a couple foul calls. The Lakers got into the bonus super early, uh, which let the Suns take a lot of free throws in the second. So I think the fouls kind of took out the rhythm yeah. of the game, really, you know, slowed down the Lakers fast start in the first quarter. And then in the third quarter, kind of the same thing where calls weren't going their way. Guys are missing wide open shots or near the near the basket. The Suns are rolling now. So everything kind of compounds on top of each other. And so you get to a point where it's like this could be a massive blowout. And it looked yeah. like that for a long time. And then uh, lo and behold, our Lord and Savior, Austin Reeves, HBK, enters the game. And we go from a 30-point blowout to a 10-point game at the end. Um, that's not me saying Austin Reeves is the key here. But I do have a question yeah. for you, Trevor. Um, after losing Caruso, obviously, in the offseason, who off the bench is really the Lakers' like energy guy right now? The energy guy right now? It's Dwight. You think it's yeah. Dwight, right? But I, I think you need like a perimeter guy to really spark a team. You know, guys that have the ball in their hand can can guard out on the perimeter, do just a lot of things. 
on the sure. floor, you know, because Dwight's, you know, an energy guy in, in terms of like, you know, he defends the rim, sets hard screens, rolls to the basket, etc. But I think as far as energy guys go, you need someone with the ball that, that can make plays like that. And so I think Reeves might be the answer here, um, especially given all the guard injuries, man. Kendrick Nunn's out. Malik Monk is still probably struggling with the groin thing. THT, obviously. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of hard. I don't know what to take away from this game other than I think a loss was pretty expected before the game even started. Like, look, the two games that Lakers have played to start the season have been against teams with continuity, chemistry, and a, and a clear identity. You know, two things or three things rather that the Lakers don't have quite yet. And so when you take that into consideration, games like these are going to look a lot worse mm -hmm. than they actually are. But... You know, here's the optimist take, and we can talk about this more later. Um, the schedule really lightens up for the it Lakers uh, after the next game. So, you know, there, there's there's reason to be hopeful that they'll figure things out, especially as the schedule lightens. But for right now, I think we just have to sit with the loss and realize that this is a team that's clearly figuring things out on the fly. Um, and Frank Vogel doesn't really have a choice as far as rotations and lineups go, just given the injury. So I'm going to look at it that way, and I'm not going to take too much from this loss. It was a bad one. It was really ugly in certain stretches, but I'm still not going to panic. It's two games into an 82-game season, so it, it's a marathon, that, not a sprint. That, that's as where bad as tonight looked, that's probably the wide, wise approach to take, right, is not to panic at this point. Not to panic. Um, I do want to get into it. we got a super chat here from Always Winning. Everyone talking about trading Westbrook. Honestly, I think we have we should take a look at trading Anthony Davis. A Anthony is supposed to look be good. Oh. He looks gassed out. <laughs> Again, do not panic. Do not panic. Here's the thing, right? I saw this all over social media. We saw Frank Vogel. Uh. He's the problem. The referees. He's the problem. The effort. That was the problem. Anthony Davis is the problem. Russell Westbrook is the problem. Every there is no single answer. Right, I know for some reason we tend to look at that and we tend to say, okay, this one thing, this is, the, if we just change this one thing, then everything would be fine, right? Everything would be great. That's not the case. And that's not to say that any of those things are wrong. I think you could say that some of the coaching decisions were not the best tonight or in the previous game. You can say that the effort was not the best in, uh, in this one. It was certainly, and it was one of my biggest issues with this game was the effort. You can say uh, some of the decision-making by Russell Westbrook's not the best, right? It's all of these things that's coming together to create what we've seen. In addition to the newness of the team, the fact that you've got only three players held over from last season and one of those guys is hurt right now. Um, you've got that factor. You've got the age of the team. Is that a factor? I don't think it is at this point, but there's a lot of different things that have come together to create the issues that we're seeing at the moment. So it's not like there's one thing Everybody's shouting trade Westbrook or get rid of this guy, fire Vogel. But there is no single fix here. It's a lot of things that have come together to create what we saw. Now, um, that being the case, I am going to get into the stats and things like that in, in just a second. But Matt, like, what, what were you most concerned about during this game? What was your most concerning moment here with the Lakers uh, was it the lineup, the the rotation, the substitution pattern, the effort, the 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 tactics in terms of where they're finding shots? What, what was the most concerning thing if you were to try to pick just one thing that you would put at least at the top of the list, knowing that there were a lot of things that really contributed? Uh, you know, I'm actually going to give Ryan Ward a lot of credit for this in our group chat. He pointed it out that he noticed that the Lakers offense, um, a lot of it's a lot of isolation and standing around on the weak side. Um, and I was quick to point out that this has kind of been what the Lakers offense has looked like the past mm -hmm. few years. And so 
we talked about a little bit in the offseason that, you know, what's the offense going to look like with all these perceived shooters, all this spacing, and then David Fisdale as the assistant head coach. That was one thing I was really interested in seeing when the season began. And so far, it looks like the offense has remained roughly the same. I know there are a couple different uh, key differences here with how, in terms of how personnel is used. But for the most part, um, when the Lakers get to like, you know, 12, 10 seconds on the shot clock, and I want everyone to watch this when mm -hmm. this happens, uh, the Lakers will start, a, will start a set or a play. And then once the set or set breaks down, uh, the default is to just dump the ball into AD or LeBron in the post and have them create. That seems to happen a lot. And so if the Lakers can't get a good look, you know, out of the original set, uh, they devolve into that. And so for me, that's the most concerning thing is that we haven't really addressed what to do in half court set and half court situations. Because um, again, we talked about this a lot last year. The defense was not yeah. the problem. It was the offense. Um, and you know, Rob Palenka made an effort to make sure to address that. And so far, nothing's really changed that much, even with Russ on board. If anything, it's kind of exacerbated the issue to a certain extent. So as far as, you know, issues, and there are a lot of them with the Lakers right now. Defensively, perimeter defense to me is a major concern yeah. as well. But uh, I'll save that for when the, the roster looks a little healthier. But just overall, offensive scheme has been pretty disappointing up to this point. You know, the preseason, there were a couple encouraging, you know, spurts or plays. But for the most part, the Lakers have kind of devolved back into what they were doing last year. And I, I think that's pretty concerning. Yeah, and that's – I think that you get into uh, just dumping the ball into LeBron or AD, and then what we see off ball is just stagnation, right? That's that, And that's been right. an issue. Um, that's been something that's been a problem for a while now. This team, you can't really do that. Right, especially if you don't have shooters on the floor, you have to have, be able to turn those guys into cutters and create mo create movement somehow. You have to create motion. Otherwise, it's way too easy to defend when, okay, it's getting late in the shot clock. All right, we know what they're going to do. They're going to give it to LeBron. If he makes a tough shot, great, we'll live with that. But you know nobody else has to do any anything. Everybody else on the opposing team is just resting, right? They're just sitting there because nobody's doing anything. Nobody's cutting. Nobody's doing anything off ball. And so that's something that I do think needs to be addressed defensively that's got to be addressed as well you can see there's a lack of chemistry there and there's a problem too when you've got individually poor defenders and then you've got some issues in terms of understanding exactly what the schemes are that can really be compounded quickly and that can create some problems as well but Matt you know one of the things that I really am questioning right now is what is making it through from the coaching staff because we've heard We've heard time and time again, right? We've heard paint to great. That's Frank Vogel saying, paint to great. And this is two games in a row now where the Lakers really haven't gotten into the paint. Now, they did a little bit in the fourth quarter, but in terms of their overall attack, the big theme has always been paint to great. Frank Vogel has said it a million times. Get in the paint, collapse the defense, kick it out. That's how we want to generate our threes. I don't think we've seen a lot of that, and they've been outscored in points in the paint in both games so how do we fix that let's talk about that issue for a minute how do you go about fixing that because i think that goes a long way towards fixing it, to some degree what's going on with the offense yeah you know it's a great question um i think teams have kind of figured out the lakers um in half court situations mm -hmm. especially where you know uh, you guard the initial couple actions and then, the, you know, the Lakers are going to, like I said, devolve into throwing balls into the into the mid paint. And so teams load up. They kind of wait to see, you know, what direction AD or LeBron's going to spin. Mm -hmm. Are they going to settle for a mid range jumper? They're literally sitting in the paint. Um, and we saw this a lot in the first round series against the Suns last season. And so it kind of carries over into this season. And I think you're going to see it a lot from teams because it's the easiest way to defend them as of right now. 
Um, I think what the Lakers need to do, obviously, is, of course, anytime they can get stops and defend, <laughs> they need to run it. They need to run. They need to make sure that they're attacking unset defenses and they have them scrambling. I think that's obviously the easy way to generate some paint buckets. Um, the next thing I think I'd like to see more high pick and rolls, you know, stretch out the defense, um, especially if you've got shooters out on the mm -hmm. floor in the corners and along the high the wings. I think that's the way to, you know, to manufacture some paint points that way. Um, and this is going to sound like such a remedial answer, but I think the last thing they need to do is just be better at the rim. Like tonight, how many how many layups or bunnies did they miss? Uh, Russell Westbrook was a was a major culprit of that. But I think the thing I thought the team as a whole was pretty bad at finishing in the paint area yeah. this year, or at least this tonight at least. So um, I don't know. I don't like saying just be better, <laughs> just but be like better. That's, that's, just be better. Um, but look, like this is what Russ was brought in to do. He he is a menace getting into the paint. He gets to the rim all the time. He still can do that. It's just I don't think the finishing is quite there yet. I don't know what it is. Um, LeBron had a couple of those. AD uh -huh. had a couple of those. There were so many stretches where I thought the Lakers could cut into the lead and generate some momentum, but they end up missing. And it's like that's so demoralizing and deflating for your offense when you get the look you want and you still can't get it. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that this was just an off night for them and that'll fix itself. But I think the first two points definitely stand true. I think, you know, you got to up your transition. You got to force the issue sometimes, you know, run out. Doesn't matter who grabs the ball, just grab and go. And then I think higher pick and rolls or spread pick and rolls are, are the way to go. Like if we're going to already be giving up these many points on, on defense, then I feel like, you know, just go all in on the offensive side and, and try to keep up that. I way. mean, that's, that's usually the path that you see a young team take though, right? Is run right. like crazy. Cause we know we're going to get scored on and our half court offense isn't going to be any good. So try to push the pace and get points in transition, transition whenever you can. But then when you've got Russell Westbrook, you do want to get out and run. So it's a weird kind of mix here with the Lakers right now running in transition. I mean, that's transition play is very valuable, right? In terms of a point per possession standing, that's an important thing to do, but you also have to be able to actually finish. And we saw a lot of missed layups and things like that. You're right. And those can be certainly frustrating, like you said, demoralizing. Um, and let, let's talk about the mental side. I, I need to get into that. But first, I, I did notice a comment that came in from my buddy, Jeff Bloom from Pure Sports. I never see his comments live and he stays up and watches our shows. Uh, he hosts his own radio show again, Pure Sports with Jeff Bloom. So I want to make sure I said, say, hey, Jeff, thanks for, for tuning in here, man. On uh, He's got uh, KXPS 1010. And so, uh, so welcome in, man. All right, let's talk a little bit about the mentality. So Matt, sure. the Lakers tonight, we saw in the first quarter, they had some energy. Russell Westbrook was rocking the baby, right? Had that, you know, he was fired up and it was good to see like, okay, there's the energy that we've been looking for. And then the calls started to really turn the tide of the game. We saw some, I mean, look, I'll say there were some questionable calls. There were some that I felt, and look, I'm biased, but there were some where I felt that the Lakers got the the raw end, right? They they did not get a good whistle. And the Lakers, though, as a team, like fans can get upset when you're sitting on the couch. You can yell at the TV. You can be upset about a call. But if you're on the team, you can't let that completely take you out of the game mentally. And I felt like that's what the Lakers did. And the Suns compounded that because Chris Paul started with his little antics and the flopping and all that kind of stuff as soon as the Lakers got in the bonus. And they went into this downward spiral that they just couldn't seem to pull themselves out of. And they started getting really frustrated. And then we see the little skirmish between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, which everybody's going to be talking about it until the Lakers play again on Sunday. This is going to be a major talking point. That was what the halftime show spent most of their time talking about as well. And it just felt like they couldn't pull themselves out of it mentally, right? As much as we want to talk about the tactics and everything, 
they checked out of the game mentally. How do you go about fixing that? I think that's a big concern for me. It wasn't until the fourth quarter when suddenly it felt like everybody went, oh, okay, we're going to play basketball again. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's early in the season, and I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains with this team. And I think especially when you consider that this is a team full of veteran players, so to struggle this much this early on and, you know, they've been talking all offseason about, you know, chemistry and playing together and that's going to take some time to work things out. So I think when you get a game like this where, you know, you're up to begin with and then things kind of like what you said spiral yeah. continuously from the second quarter all the way up to the fourth quarter, you know, I think that's hard for any team to overcome. And so... How do you go about fixing it? Obviously, you know, you just have to play better, one. Play better. <laughs> um, two, yeah, play better, be better. <laughs> uh, but no, um, really, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, trying to play mm-hmm. through the whistle, stay composed. Um, obviously, we've seen this with the Lakers beforehand where calls don't go their way. They feel like they're getting the short yep. end of the stick, right? And it, it just kind of compounds and, and spirals continuously up until the end of the game. Um they just have to, you know, get out of their own heads. They need to come together as a team. They need to communicate more, I feel like. Um, you know, they just got to play through it. They have to, you know, lean on the good plays and the good side of things. That Even though today <laughs> there were not that many of those moments. <laughs> um, I think they do just need stuff to look at that they can build on. And, and moving forward, I don't think you'll see another performance like this. Hopefully not. Um, like, Because, like, look, I'll trust the players on this team. There are a few champions on it now. This is a seasoned coaching staff at mm-hmm. this point. Um, I trust that, you know, they'll be able to work things out internally because like, let's face it, you and I are talking about this, but of course they know better than we do, like what the situation is. So I'm sure it'll get addressed. It's an early or it's early, early, early in the season. And so mentally, I'm not really ready there. I'm not really ready to say like, this is a concern of mine quite yet. Um, If I see another performance like this, like on Sunday against the Grizzlies, for instance, then yeah, I might be a little bit more concerned at that point. But like, let's face it, too. Like, they're playing the Suns, which is a very irritating team for us. Uh, so I can only imagine what it's like for the actual players to go against them again. So maybe that's a bit of the factor working working against them tonight too, is they're playing against a playoff opponent that that yes. ended their their title chances to repeat. So that's probably part of it too. And like you said, Chris Paul was pretty irritating tonight. My least favorite player, Jay Crowder, is always <laughs> annoying. Uh, Cameron Payne has arguably the most punchable face in the NBA. So you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. things, a lot of things. Um, Just to give us an update here, Dwight Howard after the game talking about AD, that situation, which we'll talk about in a minute, said, we already squashed it. That's my brother. We're good. We all understand we have to stay humble and stay positive. They also mentioned that there is not a level, uh, Dwight said, there's not any frustration that led to that moment. I disagree. Sometimes players will say things in post-game press conferences that they are supposed to say. I feel like part of this, part of what we've seen is mounting frustration right and we we felt this from lakers right. fans right it's now been oh and six in preseason oh and two in the regular season that's eight straight losses we haven't seen a lakers win since may since may so that's a long time and so fans are getting frustrated the lakers have to also be getting a little bit frustrated i feel like we saw a little bit of that i think that probably as much as they might want to say no frustration is not a factor or anything like that that has to be a factor in to some degree it has to be bothering them that here they are they've played eight games now and we can talk about summer preseason they don't really count but they've played eight game eight games and they haven't experienced a win as a group this group together has not experienced what it feels like to win a game and so there's going to be some inherent frustration with that and i think that goes hand in hand with what we're seeing the frustration with the officials because they've got to be thinking in their heads we can't have this we can't have 
if he calls, right, going against us with the position that we're in right now, right, with where we're 0-7 in, you know, preseason and regular season combined, and, and we really need to get a win, we need things to go our way. And then when things start to go against them, that downward spiral comes real quick because there's already that frustration built in, and uh-oh, here we go again. So I do think that getting a few wins under their belt, which hopefully they will, will go a long way towards giving them a little bit of confidence. And then you can play through some more difficult moments when then you've got that feeling of, we know what it's like to win together. We know what it takes to win together, but they haven't experienced that yet. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I, I think, you know, they're in a drought as far as winning goes. Uh, it's a great point. Even though the preseason doesn't mm -hmm. count, still went zero and six. And then obviously going zero and two is pretty frustrating to start a year too. So I think you're right. I think once they get a couple wins under their belt, things will probably look a lot better for this team. They'll be playing with more energy. The attitude will feel a lot better. It's just bad vibes right now. And I totally get why Lakers fans are super uh -huh. frustrated because we've been talking we've been talking up this team all summer. And to see it come out slow out of the gates has been really frustrating, even for me in certain aspects. But you have to remember that, again, when you analyze and look at the context of, of the team right now, who's out, who they've played, where we're at in the season, it, it's really easy to lose sight of the long-term goal here. And so for me, um, <laughs> the, the, the fun part is that, you know, no one got yeah. hurt tonight. That was great. I love that because <laughs> uh, the Lakers. That's the silver lining. Nobody else got hurt. <laughs> right. Um, you know, they're, 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 you know, again, we just got to preach patience. It's two games. It feels like a lot. Uh, trust me, every loss at this point feels like it's exponentially True. worse than the previous one. And I, I bet you the, the players have feel a lot of pressure, too, to be performing. Because, look, let's face it, even though a lot, of t a lot of analysts or media out there, even fans, don't think the Lakers are going to win it all, a lot of them still peg them as the Western Conference favorites. They still expect them to get to the finals, at the very least the playoffs. So everyone accepts that this is a good team. It's just that when a good team struggles like this, especially after a game like tonight where they were losing by 30 or more, um, you know, it, it really takes the wind out of the sails yes. of the team. And I bet the players are feeling like that too. So again, things will get better. This is a process. Um, we said before the season even started that they were probably going to struggle to begin with. And so it shouldn't be a surprise when the team does inevitably start struggling. Um, there's, there, I, think, I think good times are on the way. Um, how far into the future that is, I don't know, but I can't imagine it stays this. You're bad earning your nickname, Matt. Matt the Optimist, coming. coming That's right. Through. Um, so my check. Just a, a quick update here. Frank Vogel after the game, he said, uh, talking about AD and Dwight. Uh, he said, when you're getting your ass kicked, sometimes those conversations get heated, but they love each other. He mentioned it was an issue with a coverage, but they were able to talk it out. Right. He said that's going to happen from time to time. Um, so yeah, so that, that was it. It was an issue with defensive coverage and that's what led to that issue with, with Dwight and, um, and AD. But I'll also say this, like fighting on the bench, that's not a good thing. And that wasn't a fight fight, but whatever, you know, altercation, whatever you want to call it, a skirmish, a scuffle, whatever you want to call that, that happened on the bench. That's not a positive thing, but it's also better than not caring. And I think that's, again, that's the part that bothered me the most in this game was the not caring. I mean, look, the very start of the third quarter, Mikael Bridges cuts right in front of LeBron and gets a dunk, and LeBron doesn't move. Didn't move. Didn't get back uh, on the offensive end. Made the nice block coming in on Cam Johnson. 
and then doesn't bother going back down the court to play offense, just stayed on the defensive end. There was a weird energy from this team for a big stretch of the game where it felt like the effort was just not there. And that's the thing that if you're frustrated, you're upset with the officiating, that kind of stuff should never happen, right? That's the stuff that absolutely should just not happen at all. I was going into this game, and I think a lot of Lakers fans were as well, with the mindset of this is going to be a loss, right? That's And that's what I said in my pregame as well. I said, this is probably going to be a loss because you've got a team with consistency. The Suns brought back everybody. They have the same team as last season. So they're uh, almost. So they're in midseason form right now, right? They are playing about as nearly at 100% right now. The Lakers are not. The Lakers are still trying to find their way. So that's a recipe for disaster in and of itself. And then you've got all the injuries the Lakers are dealing with. I said, look, this is going to be a loss most likely. But if they had played with energy and effort for the entire game, I don't think anybody would be, I mean, there would still be people who are upset, but nobody would be this upset with what we saw. I think because of the lack of energy, because of, frankly, I saw a little bit of quit in them for a stretch tonight. And then fortunately they righted that ship and they went, no, we're not going to be that team. And they got going again in the fourth quarter. But that was the most concerning thing to me. And again, if we had not seen that, I would have felt a lot better about the team coming out of this game, even with the loss. Right. I just have two things. Uh, the first thing being as referring back to the Dwight and AD scuffle, um, if, if you've played sports, if you've been on any kind of team and you don't argue with a teammate or um, or someone on your team, you guys probably don't care that much about the game or the team in general. So I actually thought it was kind of yeah. good. And this is, again, the optimist side of me. Uh, Dwight and AD are arguing over a blown defensive call when they're down like double digits. To me, that says like, hey, look, man, I'm trying to just do my job, I'm trying to hold you accountable. I thought that's what AD was trying to do. I, I don't know what the conversation exactly was, but it looked like AD was talking to Dwight about something. He clearly disagreed and then they, then they fought. Optically, that is not good ever to see, you know, two guys fighting on the bench. But the reason why they were fighting, because it was game related, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think that's, you know, relatively healthy for the most part. Um, the second point, yes, I 100% agree with that. If the Lakers, you know, had just tried for four quarters and still came up short, you know, you don't really blame a team too much for that. Then you start nitpicking, you know, then, you know, then the officiating becomes yeah. a real issue if the game is a little closer, but the Lakers were trying the entire time. But I do see your point that mentally um, or, you know, just like as a, a team thing, um, being frustrated when calls don't go your way. Uh, you have an annoying team that you're playing against that's piling it on you guys. Of course, it's really easy to that. That can be really easy for any player, or any person to get taken out of what they're doing. And so I don't think the Lakers are very, you know, unique in that regard. But I do agree, too, that there were some stretches where it felt like they had just kind of quit mm -hmm. or they just didn't care about the results of the game anymore. And then lo and behold, the fourth quarter happens and they realize they're down by 30 and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be that team that loses and just completely mails it in two games into the season. So let's actually start trying now. Um, I guess it's the urgency or the sense of urgency from the jump that we really want to see from the Lakers. We get it. Guys are hurt. We don't really know how to play with each other yet. But two things you can always control on a basketball court are energy and effort. And so I think for fans and you and I especially, it's really yes. frustrating and annoying to see that happen. So I would expect, or at least I'd like to think that they'll come out a lot better on Sunday, um, especially after a game like today, man. Like there's just no excuse for, you know, looking like you're mailing it in exactly. for basically two, two and a half quarters. So I really do hope that they carry that mentality that they had in the fourth all the way to the next game and sustain it. 
Um, and I bet you they'll sustain it if they have a lead and they and they feel comfortable being up. So that's my yes. And that. so I'm seeing I'm seeing fans in the chat that are still very very frustrated and very upset, right? And that's totally understandable. Um, Get it? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with all of you in terms of being frustrated because of that. The the unacceptable part, right? I can understand chemistry being a little bit off. I can understand a bad shooting night. I can understand poor defensive uh, rotations right now because it's so early. We can understand some things. Effort and energy is not one of those things. That's the inexcusable part of what we saw tonight. The other things, okay. And again, I feel a little bit better because we saw the fourth quarter and because they really picked it up and because they went, no, we're not going to be that team, right? So that matters to me, but still, that stretch where it looked like there was no energy and they were just going to kind of say, okay, well, you guys win. That can't happen. And that's something that I hope gets eliminated from this team very, very quickly. Um, we do need to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stats here for this team. If you look at, and the reason why I didn't go into the box score even till now is because it's misleading, right? The Lakers lost by 10, but if you watch this game, that wasn't really the story of the, of the game. And if you look at the box score, you go, oh man, that's not bad. Russell Westbrook almost had a triple-double, 15 points, 11 boards, 9 assists, 2 steals. All right. Anthony Davis, 22-14. and 14. LeBron James, 25-5. and five. Okay, that's not bad, right? Uh, the shooting percentages, AD, 6 for 18. LeBron, 8 for 18. Russ, 6 for 15. A lot of the mid-range shots that they were taking and making against the Warriors were not falling in this one. And so that's where we get into, okay, we need more points in the paint here. Uh, and then you had Carmelo Anthony chipping in 16. But a lot of that was in the fourth quarter, and you don't want to miss what he did defensively. So when we look at the box score for this game, it looks better, I think, than it actually was when you drill down deeper and you see what some of the issues were. Um, so that's why I've been hesitant to get into the box score itself. Was there anybody, like, I know we haven't done any awards or anything. Frankly, the master lock of the night could go to so many different people at this point. Uh, Jay Crowder. I know you're always going to go Jay Crowder because that's a, that's a must. It's a contractual obligation. I understand it. But was there anybody that stood out to the Lakers in a positive way for you? I mean, can I cheat and say awesome? How is that cheating? <laughs> I don't know. Cause it came in garbage time. So I don't know, but um, I, that's a serious no answer is? though. Like, let me, let me be clear. Yeah, it's a, it's a very serious answer. Um, the, the joke was that, you know, the Lakers were down 30 and they closed the game out and they outscored the Suns 38 to 21 in the mm -hmm. fourth quarter. Uh, guess who was HBK. on the court for all 12 of those minutes? Yep. HBK. Look, it started out as a meme and I think a lot of people still aren't taking it very seriously. It's kind of the, the Alex Caruso effect. Hey, look, it's a scrappy guy that comes in here and makes a few plays and looks really good on screen. But then you give him an extended look like this fourth quarter and you realize Reeves can actually do a lot of good stuff on the floor. That's kind of what I was referring to earlier in the show when I said the Lakers don't really have an energy guy. Um, I think Reeves is kind of that guy. Um, let's go through his box really quick. Three for four from the field, two for three from downtown, eight points, um, nothing else but plus 17, which is obviously the discrepancy in like the 38 to 21 outscoring. Led the team. So led the team. Box, 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 uh, box score plus minus hero. Um, I call him the Alex Caruso remix. <laughs> um, <laughs> am no, I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> uh, look, he he stands out to me. And when all the injuries happen, Kendrick Nunn, TH Team, Link Monk, Wayne Ellington, I you know who I forget sometimes too. Um, I thought Reeves had a real shot at minutes um, because 
he looked good in yep. the preseason. He can shoot defensively. He knows where to be. He's scrappy. He fights over screens. He he knows where to read. Like when he rotates, uh, really knows how to dig down in the paint, fight for rebounds. Uh, offensively, you know, secondary ball handler uh, can hit wide open threes or you know spot up threes at least. Um, moves the ball. You know, keeps the flow of the offense going. You know, that driving kick kind yep. of mentality of find the next guy and then the the pass leads to the next pass, which leads to the shot. I think Reeves is kind of that guy, and so. Look, I get it. He's a rookie, unproven. It's only been, you know, a handful of preseason games and then these two regular season games. Well, he didn't even play in the first one. But my point being is that I think Reeves has earned a shot at legitimate minutes. And I said before the show to Trevor, I said, I think there are a couple guys right now that Reeves can legitimately just start playing over. Um, I know guys, I know fans especially are really into like the Avery Bradley thing because defensively he looks, he stands out. But I think Reeves has earned shot over Bradley and I definitely think he's earned a shot over Rondo. So, you know, I hope that this glimmer or this this spark or this, you know, flash in the pan from Reeves from tonight kind of carries over. And I hope it gives Frank Vogel something to think about when he's considering his backcourt rotation. It's so thin right now. And you guys and you just need competent guys at those spots. And I really do think Reeves has earned a shot here. No, I, I agree. I think I think Reeves is it. Reeves is the bright spot from this game. And if we were to pick a next man up, well, let's just say it. It's him. He's the next man up uh, from this one, the non-star that performed the best on the Lakers. I, I don't even feel like we can pick a 360 award, like which which one of the stars was best, again, because of the energy and effort. Um, but I thought Reeves was good. And he's going to have to get minutes at some point if he continues playing like this, right? If the Lakers are looking for answers, and Austin Reeves, he's not it. It's not like, oh, just put Austin Reeves in the rotation and then everything is fine. But... Right. If he can make winning plays on both ends of the floor, that can matter. That can be the difference for a team when you've got other guys who are making mistakes. It's not just Austin Reeves playing his way into minutes. It's other guys maybe playing their way out of minutes with some of the out. things that we've, that we've seen. And that's not everybody, right? There's some players who have done just fine. But I think Austin Reeves has made a good case, and it was great to see him. You know, he steps on the floor again. Didn't look like anything was at, at too advanced of a level for him. We've always said there's a difference between summer league and preseason. That's a step up. Step up from preseason to regular season. Step up from regular season to playoffs. So far, there has not been a step up where Austin Reeves has gotten out on the floor and looked out of place, right? From summer league to preseason. Now we saw him in regular season. He still looks like he belongs. And I think sooner rather than later, Frank Vogel is going to have to start giving him minutes. Like... I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's like some sort of team politics thing. Cause you know, there's always this issue about young guys taking minutes from older guys, especially guys later in their careers. Right. Um, and unproven rookies typically have a way harder uphill battle or uphill climb to get to actual rotation minutes. But look, let's face it. If the Lakers are a zero and two right now and things don't look great. And suddenly there's, there's some life into the team and they look like they're playing a little better. And Reeves just happens to be on the floor. I think it warrants, you know, a bit more of an in-depth look. I don't know, you know, I'm not advocating for Reeves to play 30 minutes a night and be a starter or whatever. I'm just saying that if if the team still looks this bad, um, you know, in the next few nights or the next few games, um, I think, you know, you just have to try and mix it up mm -hmm. at some point, inject some life into the team, like, you know, manufacture it somehow. And I think Reeves is, is it would be a good answer for that. So again, I think we both are in agreement here that Vogel should give him a look. Um, I think he's earned it. I don't think you know this is a desperation play by any means. I think he can just play, like you said. He looks like he's he he looks like he belongs. He looks like an NBA player. You can stick him on every other team in the league, and I think he would look just yeah. the same. I think he, he'd be good. He seems like he's uh, he's an NBA player, and that's a great thing to find. 
and an undrafted guy. I've got a super chat here from uh, Kamzi Audemandu. Uh, I'm sure I mispronounced the last name. Apologies. But said, I don't take the fourth quarter comeback that seriously. The Suns obviously took their foot off the gas. They didn't even bring in Booker and Paul until the last five minutes or so. Hope they bring it on Sunday. Yeah, look, I I'm not saying oh, the fourth quarter told us they're the better team than the Suns right now and this and everything is fine. No, I'm just saying the energy, the energy they brought in the fourth quarter was more what we needed to see. If you, Even if they had brought that energy throughout the whole game, that doesn't mean they were going to win the game. Carmelo Anthony had a right. nice night shooting the basketball, five for 11, four for six from three. He contributed to that comeback as well. But I'm not saying that that's the solution to everything. But I'm saying had they played with that energy throughout the entire game, we would probably feel a little bit better about this one, even if it was a loss. That's what I think needs to transfer over is that fourth quarter energy. Because most teams, if you play against them, you're probably in pretty good shape if you bring that kind of energy, particularly against, say, like the Memphis Grizzlies. Next game coming up on Sunday. Um, I think we also have to mention... Again, with the consistency that they've had, the, the first two teams that the Lakers had on their schedule were probably the two teams that are in at least the top five of teams that are best suited to take advantage of the Lakers right now. In terms of teams that their offense is good enough and has enough cohesion that they will recognize anytime you make a mistake and they will punish you for it, the Warriors and the Suns are two of the best teams in the NBA at doing that. So that's made things look even worse. Not saying things are good, but it's made it look even worse than it would have had they started the season off against, I don't know, uh, the, the Orlando Magic and the Grizzlies or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't, I, I, you know, for the comment, right, I actually also don't put too much stock into the fourth quarter. But like what Trevor said, at least it was encouraging to see that the team could get to a level where they're competent. They're a competent mm -hmm. NBA team. <laughs> uh, if you want to take away anything positive from that game, it's that, you know, they have it in them to, to, to try and to, to make a game out of something when they're down by a lot. That's always good to see. It's just now you got to stretch that out for four quarters instead of just the last one when you're getting your ass kicked, like yeah. Frank Vogel said. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I'll also say this. I don't know if this makes anybody feel any better in this situation, but the Lakers are not the only team going through this. The Boston Celtics lost by 30 tonight to the Toronto Raptors. 32. The Raptors team that got their butts kicked opening night, uh, their opening night. The Milwaukee Bucks got blown out by the Heat last night. There's some blowout performances that are happening around the NBA. Trust me, uh, Keith Smith, my co-host on the NBA front office show, has been texting me tonight, and he's been dealing with it too. Celtics fans are livid based on what happened to them. Good. Yeah, right? Um, so this isn't just a Lakers thing. Sometimes you get this happening early on in seasons, whereas, and we tend to, because we haven't seen a lot of basketball, we haven't, we, you know, we, we hyper analyze the early games. If this happened, let's say the Lakers were the four seed and in January, this happened. I don't think we would read as much into it. It wouldn't be good but it wouldn't be as big of a deal where right now we're not really sure what the Lakers are. So you add this fear of, Oh my gosh, what if this is just what they are come January or February, we might look back on this game and say, Oh, this was an outlier. Things have gotten better from here. I mean, you'd have to yeah. think so, right? That's like four, four months of sample sizes and practices and, and game time and game experience together as a unit. Uh, and you're right. Um, Blowouts happen across the NBA all the time. It just so happens that the Lakers were involved in this one. 
and it's early in the season. And right now, like you mentioned, no one's seen games for a long time now, for what seems like a long time. So I think we tend to put more more weight into these games, especially in primetime games against good teams, because um, I think we have this tendency where if it's two good teams pitted against each other, we always look at them as for some reason as measuring stick games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's fair to put the Lakers against two really good teams and the Suns and the Warriors to start their season and expect them to be, you know, you know, guns a blazing right out the gate. Um, that's why we've been saying that these games have looked a lot worse compared to other competition or other games that they'll probably have in the next couple of weeks, just because quality of competition is so much better and they're not where they're at it, where they need to be as a team yet. So that's why I'm again, not, not panicking or even that stressed about this loss and the last loss, to be honest with you, it's just a matter of this is the, this is the process. These are the growing pains, you know, helps on the way in terms of players eventually getting healthy um, players learning how to play together, the coaching staff figuring out what they have as far as lineups and players and combinations go. So all these things, there's reasons to, you know, not be so down on the team. I get it right now. It's really frustrating. Um, I got to deal with, you know, friends of mine that aren't Lakers fans that are giving me, you know, crap for how they look so far. I think that's part of it for fans too. Is like, man, like I, this is the team I'm root for and I'm embarrassed now. (laughs) So like I'm right there with you, man. So Again, I'm going to preach patience. Um, people are probably going to hate me for saying that and doing that because, you know, every time the Lakers lose, we have to be critical of them. Uh, that's also in our contracts, Trevor. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go against the grain here and say, like, look, it's a bad loss. It's a been bad two games so far, but I think brighter days are indeed ahead. And that is why they call me the I, I definitely hope that they are. Again, my, my thing is, if I'm Frank Vogel and I'm going to that locker room, the most important thing to drive home is that the effort and energy that we saw through the middle part of the game is unacceptable. The other things can be worked on. The other things can be fixed. That can't ever happen. And so that's something that's got to be addressed. But again, there is time here. We're two games into the season. There is time to right the ship and fix a lot of things here. Uh, Leonardo Rodriguez from Facebook said, this team has not won a game together and they need to Trevor. They need to step up the competition, step up the energy, step up the intensity. Agree 100%. Absolutely agree. agree. They do have to step up that energy because you don't want to see them dig themselves too far down into a hole. You want them to feel what it means to win a game. You want them to have that shared experience together, a positive experience. Right now, that frustration is going to continue to grow even as much as they're all saying patience, patience, patience. We're all feeling it too. So it's important that they realize how important this next game is on Sunday and that they turn this thing around as quickly as possible. So I have one point to make. Um, so let's uh-huh. let's face it here. Um, the Lakers are a very talented team on paper. I think you and I can agree on that, right? Yeah, oh yeah, on paper, sure. Uh, this is a team with championship pedigree on it. LeBron James, AD, you know Frank Vogel. Now, um, I think the frustrating thing, or the thing that you know, I didn't, I don't like psychoanalyzing you know teams and players too much, but I think you know part of the reason why uh, the Lakers you know, quote unquote, turn on, turn on and off the off switch as far as energy intensity goes. They play like a team that feels like they've been there and done that already. And it's the regular season. And so I think they're kind of leaning on their collective experience and, and, and past history of winning to say, okay, we're down by this much, but I know that if I turn it up to a certain extent that we can pull Mm -hmm. out a win. And right now I think the team is still kind of stuck in that mode, uh, but they're not clearly the same team that was able to do that. And so I think it's going to take time for them to really realize that, Yes, we're a good team. Yes, we're talented. Yes, you know, we can make runs when we need to, like the fourth quarter tonight. 
But I think, again, it's the idea that we need to start doing that from the jump and we can't, you know, dig ourselves into a hole and then try to climb back out. Because right now they're not that team. I think they can get there, but I think right now they're clearly not. Yep. I agree with that. Uh, Planet Randy said, Trevor, serious question. How many losses before you stop being so optimistic? 82. 82. I mean, look, what what is it that you want me to say, right? Like, were you hoping that you were going to tune in here and I was going to tell you guys, it's over. There's zero chance that they ever win another game. It's done. Forget it. Pack it in. This season is over. Tank for a lottery pick, which they don't have. No. Guys, I look at things from a much more broad perspective. There were certain things that were very frustrating about tonight's game. And those absolutely can and should be addressed. But it's an 82-game season. And it's a, there's a long way to go. And to react to what's gone on in such a tiny sample size as this is it and it's all over and they can never get better the way some people do, I'm not going to do that, right? Because that's not me being genuine. That's not how I'm actually going to approach the game. That's not how I'm going to look at that. Otherwise... I'm riding the roller coaster then. I'm up and down. As soon as they win a game, it's, oh my gosh, this team's never losing again. And then as soon as they lose, it's, oh, they're the worst team ever. I don't want to ride that roller coaster. I want to take a more uh, measured approach to this. And so that's why I'm going to look at things and say, you know what? They're bad today, but this can indeed get better. And maybe it won't, right? We talked about it last season, right? We're waiting for the injuries to kind of clear up. We're waiting for the injury bug to leave them alone. And guess what? He never did, right? Hopefully, that's not going to be the case this season. Hopefully, things will indeed improve, right? Because there is a path for that to happen. This isn't a lost cause when you look at this team. This isn't time to just give up. You know, I've talked about this before. Like Lakers fans, it's, yes, it's frustrating. Yes, we want to see this team win. But the bulk of you made it through. Lonzo and Ingram and Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson and winning 17 games in a season and managed to stay strong and managed to stay at least a little bit upbeat. Hey, maybe this next draft pick, maybe Brandon Ingram, that's that spurt we saw from him at the end of the season. Maybe that's going to, going to really take off. If you made it through that, now's not the time to lose it and say, that's it. I'm out. I can't even watch this. Yes. It's frustrating, but you know what? Lakers fans, you've been through worse. Now's not the time to panic. I think that's my favorite Trevor Lake. That's it? <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's the goal because I, I 100% agree with everything. Um, <laughs> look, I think <laughs> as a Lakers fan myself, right, because we, we're analysts, we break these things down for everyone, but we're fans at heart too. Uh, and this is the approach I've taken, especially as I've gotten older when it comes to Lakers games, especially, is that you can't put all your stock into one game each and every night because that is just so mentally and emotionally exhausting for you. Because uh, I used to do it where I lived and died with every game, every win felt like I was on top of the world, every loss I felt like I was just never going to see the light of day ever again. And I think right now it's really, really, really important to remember that yes, the Lakers have higher expectations than a lot of other teams, we consider them a contender still, and that right now it looks really mm-hmm. rough, <laughs> but there have been a lot of worse times, like egregiously bad times. And so Lakers fans are obviously very spoiled. We won a title checks calendar and watch a year ago. <laughs> yes. One calendar year ago. <laughs> uh, one calendar year ago, two seasons ago. 
So it's not like, you know, we've been mired in this like playoff drought for like decades, quote unquote, you know, and, you know, sorry, Kings fans and, and Timberwolves fans. And, you know, I, I apologize <laughs> for catching strays on this show, but like, let's face it, we've been through a lot worse. It's two games. Obviously, when the, when the expectation and the pressure is this high, um, there's a certain habit or, or mode that we go and we're like, OK, yeah, if they don't win this next game, I'm, I'm quitting on this team. Mm. They're done. It's over. Uh, Trevor and I are not going to do that because <laughs> let's face it, like there's so much context and so much happening with this team right now that it's going to look rough for a little bit, even in their wins. Like I'll tell you right now, even if the Lakers win on Sunday, I'm not expecting them to blow out the Grizzlies. That's a good team still. I know they're young, but that's a good team still. And if the Lakers win, I bet it's not going to be by a lot. And there'll probably be a lot of frustrating moments in that game. And so it's, it's important to remember that even in the wins, it's still it's still a growing thing. It's still a process thing for the Lakers. It, this is going to be them figuring it out in real time for a while. That's, and that's so, part of this too, right? Like, like let's, right. Say, let's say they had come back and won this game, right? Let's say the fourth quarter, the Suns missed a few more shots and the Lakers came back and actually won this game. That would completely change the tone of some of the reactions, right? right? right. People would be saying, oh, this team is great. They're amazing. But because the end result was a loss... It's the opposite. Sky is falling, right? That's kind of what we try to to distance ourselves from too much. So sometimes it's not about whether or not the shot goes in. It's about how you got to the shot, right? right? And so we do see that quite a bit where a team can look terrible, but if they win, nobody's going to be upset as long as they, even if they look terrible doing it and you say, well, uh, there's some reason to be concerned with this team. No, if, they're, if they win the game, people won't be upset. If they lose the game and look great, people will still be upset. So that's a factor here too. It's the end result and focusing on that maybe a little bit too much. Uh, but again, there's I think there's a lot of process that needs to be fixed, but the end result would have erased a lot of that in a lot of minds, I think. That's a long-winded way of saying process exactly. over results. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, I've got a super chat. Somebody said uh, Austin Reeves looks really good. Yeah, we talked a bit about him. Indeed, he looks legit. Um, we've got a comment from YouTube said the 90s Bulls, Warriors, Suns all have similar size. Uh, so when Reeves came in, the Lakers could match up. Lakers uh, got fire going playing Rondo and Russ because of size. Uh, in terms of size of matchups and things like that, I'm Look, Frank Vogel has a very difficult job. And I talked about this a little bit last night on the live show that I did to preview this game. I talked about how difficult Frank Vogel's job is in terms of actually creating a rotation that is that both offers floor spacing and defensive skill, right? I mean, if you put together a lineup for the Lakers, figure out a way for the Lakers to have a lineup on the floor the entire game that has no more than two bad shooters and no more than two bad defenders on it at any given time. Because if you have more than two bad defenders, you're getting lit up. If you have more than two bad shooters, you have no spacing. And realistically, you don't want two of them either. You want at most probably one if you're going to really contend. But right now, given the personnel that they've got, the Lakers don't really have the ability to do that. So taking that a step further and saying, okay, Frank Vogel's trying to put together just a salvageable lineup for most of the game. And then you have to go and think, okay, is Anthony Davis going to play well with this group? Russell Westbrook, can he really play with this group that's out here? What about matching up with the opponent, the size? There's a lot that goes into it. And Frank Vogel's got a tough job. He doesn't have a team full of guys that are all two-way players that can play defense and offense. 
the two guys that probably were best prepared to do that, that aren't the stars, THT and Ariza, they're on the sideline right now. So it's a very difficult situation to be in. And again, that's not me saying Vogel's fine. Everything is good. There's no problems. No, there's some problems. There's things that need to be addressed, but it's also a difficult spot to be in from a coaching perspective in terms of organizing these lineups. And it feels like a lot of people will say, oh, just put in this guy, just put in that guy. That solves everything. No, it's much more complicated than that. Uh, to answer that question, you know, the whole putting out a lineup that has, you know, not more than two bad shooters and no more than two bad defenders. Uh, if I ask you that right now, because I have an answer, um, what's that lineup look like for the Lakers as of today, given all the injuries and everything else going on? Like, what, what does that lineup look like right now? Which lineup? The, the one with like, if you're trying to construct a, a lineup right now that doesn't have more than two bad defenders okay. and no more than two so bad shooters. What I relied on when I made my lineup is I had a lot of Avery Bradley and Kent Bazemore and I just trusted them as being league average shooters in order to get as much defense as possible out there. Otherwise you pull one of them and maybe you go with like a Malik Monk to space the floor. You do the big three uh, Malik Monk, but then you've got two poor defenders in Westbrook and Monk. And you have to deal with that, but at least you have Monk shooting. And then uh, and then you've got Bazemore on the floor as well with AD at the five. I'm a little surprised we didn't land on the same answer. What'd you, what'd you come up with? And I'm going to sound like a homer again, but uh, you, I, went, you, I landed on Russ, Reeves, Bays, Reeves. LeBron, AD. And well, look, I'm like, I, I, I think at this time, at this point, I'm a broken record. I have a video on LakersNation.com on our mm -hmm. YouTube channel. Let's go check that out. Um, talking about Reeves and what he does, both offensively and defensively. And look, um, I think a thing about team defense that we don't really talk about too much or that we focus on too much is the individual aspect of it, the on-ball yeah. stuff. Um, that's why people tend to gravitate toward people like Avery Bradley. Because I like to call him a very, you know... Um, well, how do I want to say this? He pops out he, on the screen when you yes, watch him play defense. He's very energetic, and so you notice him as opposed to because he's always right. on ball, right? He's always guarding the, the team's yep. best guard or the team's best, you know, um, you know, whatever. Uh, so on ball, he looks great, but then you know, there's a lot more to defense than that, especially when you consider that teams up to this point, especially when like a player like Carmelo Anthony's in the game. And I don't want to pick on Melo, but I'm just using him as an example. But if someone like Carmelo Anthony's out on the floor, teams are pretty smart. And again, this goes back to my point about playing the Warriors and the Suns. Right. Um, two teams that are very good at exploiting, you know, defensive mismatches and picking out the guy that they want to and that they want to, you know, initiate actions with. If you have a guy like Carmelo Anthony out on the floor, they're calling him into the action, the on-ball stuff all the time. And then you force the rest of the team and the rest of the guys on the floor to rotate and help and you cover yeah. up mistakes. And so you do that enough, you stress out a defense, you're going to get a look. That's just that's just the way it works. And so as far as Reeves goes, defensively, what I really like about him, and I've alluded to this already, is that he just knows what spots to be in when he's out on the floor. Right. And so that's really important for keeping the integrity of your defense on the court is that, you know, if you have a guy in his spot and you trust that he's there, you can make your proper rotation. You don't have to overhelp. You don't get lost. And, you know, you're flying around the court. And that's what we saw a lot from the Lakers last season with KCP, Alex Caruso, LeBron, AD, um, whoever was out on the floor is that they just knew where to be. And so I think having someone like Reeves, who, yes, I know might not be like a shutdown defender or a lockdown guy by any stretch, just having guys that know where they're supposed to be and to put a body in front of guys and to make sure they're contesting shots and forcing the pass and forcing offenses to to move the ball around till you get late in the clock. That is so, so, so important. 
And offensively, obviously, we've seen him be able to hit spot up threes, move the ball around, etc. So I think he is legitimately going to be an important piece. I'm down the. Stretch. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Reeves being that guy. Just I'm not saying he can't be, but we just haven't seen it yet. Right. I want I want him to get the opportunity to show that, and he's shown pretty good awareness so far. But I don't know once he starts getting put into really complex actions, will he? Because as a rookie, you would think the answer would be no, right? That there's a learning curve. Maybe there's not, and I'm curious to find out. And if there's not, and he just has that innate ability to understand what's happening on the floor and put himself in the right spot all the time, cool, that I'm with you. But I'm not ready to check that box just yet on him. Well, here's my nuanced take, though, is that this is supposed to be as of today. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really trust Monk. I obviously don't trust Rondo to do that, right? Um, and so, again, the, the whole point of the question was, what lineup can you get away with where you minimize those those yes. weaknesses as much as possible? So I get it. I'm totally with you. I, I also don't think Reeves might not be quite there yet, but he's shown enough to where he looks competent. True. <laughs> um, me watching Melo and Monk on the floor together is excruciating for a lot of different reasons. Um, and if they're not scoring, they're not doing anything else on the score. other end. And that's it. But we knew that. That was the thing we, that we knew going And we in. knew that. But, my, but I don't think we anticipated them being on the court together no as often as we've seen and, it so far. And I know a lot of it's by necessity. Like, trust me, I think once everyone's healthy, we see less and less of it. But just as of right now, if I'm trying to avoid it as best as I possibly can, I'm going to try and look elsewhere. Uh, I've got a super chat from Mr. Easley said he's getting 2010-2011 Miami Heat vibes. Three stars trying to figure it out with veterans and eventually it'll click. What do we think? I, I, I mean, I would love that, obviously. Like, if that's what winds up, where this winds up going, then, then great. That team made the final, so no, I wouldn't be yeah, opposed. Not at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody said, Alan Barnhart said, absolutely blown out in the paint again, and fans want to go smaller. I, I didn't feel like the points in the paint and everything, I don't feel like that was a lack of size issue. Like, the NBA now, it's not... Points in the paint 15 years ago usually was a result of having the bigger player, right? Like, like if you have Shaq, you're going to get a lot of points in the paint. Teams who score right. a lot of points in the paint now, a lot of it is off the drive from the perimeter because you've got a lot of drive and kick action and then you're getting guys who are getting into the rim that way. Yes, having a dominant big does help with that, but you've got a lot more attacking from the perimeter as well. So points in the paint isn't just, oh, we need more size. It's also just a mindset of attacking the rim a bit more. And that's something where I think the Lakers as an offense, I think they're going to see this when they look in the film room. They are settling for mid-range jumpers too much. There's a reason why those shots are open because team defense are, are scheming those open, but they've got to figure out some ways to open some things up um, as well as just sometimes just attack. Just go into attack mode, put pressure on the rim and make things happen. I've actually got a good yeah. point here or I've got an observation I want to make is that uh, through two games, um, DeAndre Jordan has gotten the start. Uh -huh. Um and so, Trevor, my question to you is that, do you think there's a correlation between DeAndre Jordan starting and we're not seeing enough on-ball pick-and-roll screens with AD and Russ or LeBron? There might be. Yeah, I mean, if you've got... See, what I would like to see is DeAndre Jordan being the one that's up high setting that screen, preferably right. up as high as possible, because in theory, that should pull the opposing big up as much as you can. Uh, these high pick yeah, and rolls, so yep. that's, that's mm -hmm. what you're going to want to do there. But yeah, DeAndre Jordan starting isn't going to help with your spacing, that's for sure. And if he's not, we saw it against the Kings. The path to success for DeAndre Jordan is 
offensive rebounds and not really true offensive rebounds, but those plays where he just kind of you know smacks the ball and keeps it alive, right? That's what you're going to get out of him at the best on the offensive end. Maybe you get a few putbacks and things like that. He's not going to you know jump to the Raptors and then throw down lobs like he used to. And then defensively, you're hoping he can just be decent at the rim. If he's not doing those things, then you've got a problem because he's not giving you the spacing too. You're taking the negative and you're not getting any of the positive. And I feel like that's kind of what we've seen the the first uh, couple of games. I mean, it's no coincidence. I think that he only played what three minutes in the third quarter and Vogel just went, this is not working. And he pulled him. Right. Cause like that was kind of like the whole fun part about this Lakers lineup uh, in the off season, at least for me, was that, Oh, I can watch Russ play with a very dynamic big man in Anthony Davis. But then I think the correlation is there, and I think it's because, again, like you mentioned, if DeAndre Jordan's not setting those screens, um, it's hard for Anthony Davis yeah. to do that because if he's rolling to the rim, DeAndre's man's right there in the paint sinking there, and so there's no space for, like, that vertical spacing doesn't really exist at that point. And that was supposed to be a trademark or a key for this Lakers team was, you know, them dominating the rim area, uh, like, around that, like, the restricted area, really. So um, as far as, you know, back to the earlier question about points in the paint, I think that's been a detriment to the team right now too. And that's why they're settling for so many mid range jumpers is that, you know, uh, teams know, and again, warriors and Suns, they've played the Lakers a bunch yeah. and they know, you know, how to attack this team. So I don't want to reduce the analysis to just that, but I think that, you know, it is something to look out for in the next game. Um, as far as, you know, how the Lakers initiate the offense or like what the first couple actions are. Cause if I'll tell you right now, if it's a high ball screen like that, I guarantee you, you'll see more lobs and dunks and layups at the rim yes. on Sunday. Yeah, and I would definitely like to. I, I think that's something that's got to happen. I think that this team's got the playmakers to do it, but you got to open things up, and that might mean no DeAndre Jordan out there. We'll see what happens. Frank Vogel's got a day to figure that out before the Lakers take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Matt, I think we should probably wrap it up there. I think we've covered pretty much every different angle we can, at least for the time being for this game. I know I'm going to have some other thoughts tomorrow. Once things have settled a little bit, I might force myself to do a rewatch on this one so we can pick out a few more things, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to put myself through it. Depends. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, but I, I'm sure tomorrow we'll have a little bit more analysis of this, but Lakers nation, thank you guys for coming in and joining us and discussing with us. I know a lot of you got to vent some of your frustration in the chat. I hope some of you feel a little bit better after doing so. Sometimes it's nice to just vent a bit, especially after a game like that. And then tomorrow we're going to regroup and get ready for Sunday's game against the Grizzlies. Can I can I close yes, out? Yes, you can. Real quick? <laughs> um, so it was a live show on the off season. Uh, I forgot when it was, but I had made this analogy about um, Instagram girls and and thirst traps, and you know the NBA equivalent being shooting in empty yes. gyms, right? Uh, I've got a friend that just texted me. And he is like, man, doesn't it feel like the Lakers are kind of catfishing you right now? <laughs> <laughs> And I, was, I don't know what to say. I'm kind of a little bit, but not, not, it's still early. You know, you haven't gone on, you haven't gone on that many dates yet, or you haven't gone on a date yet. So, you know, we'll see. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can yeah. go with that. And I, I hope, I hope that this works out in the positive and it's not one of those ones where you show up and it's a, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible surprise. I gotta, I gotta end the show with some. Yeah. Levity, yeah. We, we needed it. We needed it. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Till next time, stay safe and see you.